0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here together today at First Christian Church. I'd invite you to take your Bible, please, or your smartphone and turn to Galatians chapter 5. It's about that far through the scripture towards the end. Galatians chapter 5, if you will, please. For those of you who are guests today, I'm very glad to have you with us. My name is Wayne. I'm part of the pastoral team. and It's good to have everybody here in the West Auditorium. To those who are worshiping in the East, we're glad you're there. To all our friends and brothers and sisters in Lovington, welcome to worship and to everybody that's watching online. It's good to have you. We literally, every week, we hear from people around the world who are, who are worshiping with us um, via online uh, worship, so we're very glad you're with us. While you're looking for Galatians chapter 5 today, I'd like to start with, um, well, uh, there's a fellow bit of Mark Davidson. He's an author who was recently featured in Fatherly, which is an internet newsletter um, blog that features the lives of men with children. And uh, he, he wrote a story that caught my attention as I was preparing for the radio show a couple of weeks ago. It's about his son, Jasper, who is now 12, but it's a story that surrounds Jasper when he was about 10 years of age. Jasper is a skateboarder. As a matter of fact, you don't say he is a skateboarder, you say he's a skater. And um, uh, Davidson says, I've spent a lot of idle time sitting in the sun watching uh, my son, the skater, practice or figure out how to do tricks. He said it's what dads do. And um, he spent a long time watching him try to master a particular trick. It's called the kickflip, that if you're gonna be a skater, you've gotta know how to do a kickflip. A kickflip is this move that, where you 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 get the board to jump, bounce up in the air and it rotates 360 degrees and then you land back down on it. Here's a video of a young boy about Jasper's age learning to do it, and it's particularly difficult if you don't have some weight behind you. If you're young, you don't almost not heavy enough to make it work, and. Um, Jasper's sister also had to sit and watch um, him learn, tri- figuring out how to do this trick. And she counted up how many times she'd watched him in a period of an hour. She did some math. And she determined that he, uh, she had uh, watched him, or pardon me, that Jasper had attempted this some 9,152 times. 9,152 times in the, between the ages of 8 and 10. So... Dad, Mark Davidson, is sitting there one morning, 10 o'clock in the morning, as he's watching his son, trying to figure out how to do this. And he said, this is how he writes. He says, "Jasper, Jasper stood with one foot on the board, rolling it back and forth. And I saw it in slow motion. It was a bend at the knees, and in less than a second, the board finished its rotation. It landed flat. Jasper came down on it, both feet solid. And he stiffened as he felt the deck under his feet. And he went still as the skateboard rolled forward. And the little boy, gaping down at his shoes, was absolutely stunned. He jumped off the board and ran towards me with tears streaming down his freckled cheeks. He leapt into my arms and buried his head under my chin, trembling. He cried the tears of pent-up stress, 9,152 failures pouring out of him. I whispered into his ear, you did it, buddy. And I squeezed him tight, holding tighter to my own composure. This moment revealed so much about my son and maybe the man he will be. His perseverance, the pressure he put on himself and now his sense that it was still okay. Just for now, at 10 years of age, it's still okay to cry and to hug your dad when bad things happen or when big things happen. After a moment... Jasper wiped his face and went back to his friends. The other kids congratulated him. The skaters did more than congratulate him. They fist-bumped and did high-fives. And Mark Davidson says, I almost didn't cry. Undoubtedly, it was one of those exquisite parenting moments that some of us have had in the past where it just goes, oh, man, this is so sweet. And we'd say that that's what parents do. You sit there. Hour after hour, watching and hoping and praying and hoping that you know that that moment is going to—it's called the love of a parent, right? It's the kind of love we see expressed in our passage today. It's the unconditional love of a parent for a child that says, "What's it going to take for me to see this become accomplished in your life?" And we're going to look at that today as we start a three-week series evaluating what is known as the fruit of the spirit. We're going to review the choices faced by followers of Jesus Christ when it comes to attitude, when it comes to life approaches, and particularly today, there's nine of them all told, but today we're gonna to look at three, love, joy, and peace. If you read with me in Galatians chapter five, to see it, this is, this is what life is about, right here. Verse 16, Paul the Apostle, probably the, primary, prime, the premier writer of the New Testament, says this, I say to you, walk by the Spirit. There's the challenge. Walk by the Spirit and you won't de- gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh There's this is war going on in other words they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want but you are not but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law the acts of the flesh so this one side of life it's pretty obvious how you might live this out sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry witchcraft hatred discord Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, um, orgies, and the like. Now, that's a pretty exhaustive list of stuff. You say, I'm going to stay away from that. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's on the one side of life. Here's on the other side, the other possibility. The fruit of the Spirit is different. It's love, joy, peace, forbearance, another. La- word for that would be patience. So love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine of them. There's no law against these. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh for this passion and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, Did you notice, right off the bat, as we try to unpack this and figure out how this might apply to our lives this week, did you notice that there's a disparity, there's a contrast between these two different life approaches? One's called desires, one's called the fruit of the Spirit. And and if, if it's called the desires of the flesh, does that mean desire is wrong? No, that's not the case. I mean, it's it's what you do with desire and how it's displayed and how you might list your desire. I I'd, I'd say it's best to summarize the wrong kind of desire as as a desire that is only self-serving. You can see the list as it starts in verse nineteen, and the wrong kind or the sinful kind of desire is at constant conflict and at war with a spirit-led nature. And the cha- the challenge isn't that it's not the, the issue isn't the fact that there are two portions of how we can approach life. We get that. The challenge is this. Which one will you choose? I want you to think of it this way. Take a look at this photo. Doesn't it look lovely? It looks like the Caribbean or the Mediterranean. It's idyllic looking. You've got the rolling green hills. You've got the cliff and so forth and and this pool of enticing teal blue water just waiting for you to take a swim. The picture comes from Harper Hill, it's a small village in the English county of Derbyshire. It's not a naturally occurring lake. The lake actually comes along as a result of, grain water, of rainwater and groundwater uh, filling up what was a rock quarry. And it looks appealing, but you better not swim in it though because the color comes from leftovers of the, the mining process. And it's full of, um, it's a calcium residue left in the water, and uh, the analyses have been done of the water. And if you were to swim in that water, it would be like taking a dip in straight bleach or straight ammonia. That's how strong it is. And, and unfortunately, despite all the signs that tell people not to go swimming in there, people still get in the water and they come out with burned eyes and irritated skin burns and, or even worse in 2009, a little boy went in and he drowned. Um, So in 2013, officials up until that time have been trying to figure out how do we stop people from going in this really appealing looking water? How do we get them to not go there? You know what they did? They changed the crisp teal waters. They changed it and they dyed the water a different color. It's now black. And people have stopped wanting to go in there because here's what they figured out, that maybe you figured this out in the past. What looks appealing could in fact kill you, or at the very least, burn you badly. See, no one gets up in the morning, you know, I don't know if anyone who gets up in the morning and and looks in the mirror and, you know, is shaving or putting on makeup or whatever, getting ready for school, and you say, well, today, here's my plans for the day. I'm going to take a swim through some caustic bleach of sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies. I'm not doing, I'm not, who gets up in the morning and says, that's what I'm doing today? <laughs> Nobody. But, but how, are we kidding? We, uh, we have to be honest and say there are some aspects of a few of those behaviors that would say, well, maybe it feels a little bit appealing in, in different, I, I, uh, I suppose some might say, well, if the right opportunity came along, I might abide by some, well, some sexual activity outside of marriage, or I wouldn't mind a hangover tomorrow as long as the drunkenness the night before is really fun, or if the moment comes along at work and something I'm just gonna think for myself and my career's gonna be above everybody else's. I mean, we might choose, I think at times, to to, uh, dip our proverbial toe in those sort of behavior or attitudinal waters? After all, if I just dip in, nothing will happen, then of course you hear later on, well, it was just a flirty text. I really didn't think it would destroy their marriage or my marriage, or I didn't think that just participating in that would lead to alcohol dependency. No one of maturity says, well, I'm going to go to work today and I don't give a flip what anybody thinks or about my coworkers. and I'm going to be straight up, I'm going to be a person full of jealousy, rage, and selfish ambition today. That's my goal. I know people of, we don't do that. But doesn't it happen from time to time? See, people of maturity and people of Christian character choose otherwise. We don't intentionally set on our life with, we say, I'm not going to go into the debauchery with its long-term effects of killing my soul and psyche. But I'm aware of this, that once you're swimming in the caustic lake, out in the deep end of the lagoon, with the habitual, if you will, the habitual waters of rage or sexual misconduct or alcoholism, literally burning your soul and sometimes even your body, when that occurs, You're out there. It takes some backward swimming to get to the shore, doesn't it? Galatians is simply saying, don't even put your foot in. Don't dip your toe. Don't swim in those behaviors. Get back to shore. Change. And some of you are saying, okay, great, pastor. This is a a don't sin sermon, is it? All right. If that's the case, then if I have these attitudes and these behaviors, and if they are poison... What's the antidote? Well, let me see if I put it this way. I got an email about 10 days ago now, probably right about 10 days ago. It was from a company wanting some of the church's business. And it's, it's a long story, but the company's basic pitch was this. We take what is garbage, and we make it into useful furniture, or frankly, what we do is we make it into what looks like lumber. And we think you might want some of this. And so, uh, it's called Pollywood, what they do is they take milk jugs, used milk jugs. They clean them. They chop them up into little plastic chips. And the chips are then processed. They are made into different colors, and they're made into this plastic polywood that is basically looks like two by fours or one by sixes, whatever you might need. It's extruded plastic, basically. And it's interesting to me that even when they're they're, they're saying, okay, we're making chairs and we've got leftover plastic left, even that gets reused again and rechipped and it's really cool stuff. But when this marketing video showed up in my inbox, can I say, I immediately thought of you and me. Not as whether or not we're going to buy furniture, which we need some furniture around here, that's a different story, but that became secondary because I immediately saw ugly and smelly used milk jugs think of the stench they process 400 thousand milk jugs a day this is over in indiana and let me ask you this question if you were to work in that assembly line which assembly which end of the assembly line do you want to work in where the jugs are coming off the truck? Do you want that? Or do you want to be there? Hey, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Adirondack chair tester. I mean, think of the odor. I mean, I'm sure the city, that they're, the town they're in is glad for the business, but they've got to go. All that spewed milk, little drops. Oh. Can you imagine? You know, when it comes to pastoring, the job I have, it's always far more pleasant to work with people who say, Help me understand how to have more love and joy and peace in my life, as compared to the other end of the assembly line, where it's the rescue, those still covered in the sourness of fits of rage and selfish ambition and drunkenness. Which end would you prefer to work at? However, I would say this. It's not really up to me or any other ministry professionals to produce change in any one person's life. Instead, change is a duet. It's a dance between each individual and the Holy Spirit. What's the antidote to the desires, the acts of the flesh? According to Paul, the fruit of the Spirit How do you go from being a stinky used milk jug to an Adirondack chair, um, sitting on the beach? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit changes us from smelly, dare we say, into being useful and productive for the rest of the culture around us. As that change comes along, the scriptures tell us there are nine ways that this is displayed. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All nine of those are not produced simply by sheer determination. It's not just a matter of sheer will or of behavior. No, the way in which we become more loving and more peaceful and more joyful and express that to others, it's a Holy Spirit-initiated heart change. It involves taking one life approach and shifting it to another outlook. It, it involves us saying to the Holy Spirit, you can chip away at this and chip away at that and chip away at that, and frankly, you can take all those chips of mine. And you, I, wa- I want to be, be put through the process, Holy Spirit, and have a new life color attached to me and infused through me. I, I want to come out as a new molding an, an, a, new, a new way of doing life. And it's all based on the work of the Holy Spirit. Look again at verse 25, where it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in in step with the Spirit. Can you say it out loud with me? There it is on the screen. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, we've got to try that again. Okay, let's try it one more time. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So here's what I'm suggesting. That you might want to learn that verse. You might want to memorize that. For the next three weekends as we look at this passage of scripture, would you consider memorizing it? As a matter of fact, we're going to make it a little easier for you to get to remembering that. Uh, if you're part of our texting service, you got that as a screen background. Uh, late in the week, we might suggest that you make that your, your you know, opening page as you have on your phone for the next few weeks. If you didn't get it on our texting service, it's available on the church's website. And here's what it's going to remind you as if you make that a memory verse. Notice it doesn't say, if we live by the Spirit, let's do our own thing. No, the key, it says, is, is this walking in step business. It's, it's a march It takes practice. And, and to that end, I'm going to see if I can show you what this practice means. And I've got four young men right here. Would you guys join me up here on stage? Come on, guys. Come on, everybody up for this? We'll see if we can learn to march together, all right? All right, come on up, come on up. You guys are going, we didn't come to church expecting this today. I know, neither did I. I didn't know it was going to be you guys. Have you ever marched before? No. No. Have you ever marched? Nope. Nope, anybody ever marched? You haven't been in the army yet? No. Okay, so hang with me here. We're going to march. We're going to march across the stage. Everybody line up. I'm going to go one, two, three, and off we go, all right? What do you know about marching? But your dad's a soldier. He, he hasn't taught you this yet, right? Well, he can be a drill sergeant when he gets home, all right? Here we go. Ready? On the count of three, we're going to march. You ready? One, two, three. Everybody marching? How do we look? We need a little help yet, right? we we, we got a little we got a little coordinated, all right? So here's what I'm going to go left, 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 right, left, and then we're going to go after that, all right? Which foot we're going to put out first? Left. left. Which is your left foot? This one? All right, ready? Here we go. Left, 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 right, left. Left, 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 right, left. Did we get better? Did it look better? All right, try one more time, try one more time. Ready, here we go. Left, 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 right, left. Left, 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 right, left. Did it get better? All right, thanks guys, good job. Good job appreciate it. They're going, I'm never sitting up front again. (laughs) I don't blame you guys. I don't blame you one bit. Preacher making me come up there for crying out loud. But here's the lesson I want you to catch a hold of. First time out, didn't look so good, right? Second time, third. If we really wanted to be soldiers marching in step, it would take a drill sergeant, right? It would take some practice. It would take some work day after day, and here's the lesson when it comes to us saying, since we say, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. It's going to take some practice, day after day. It's not going to go well the first day, but we, be our people, if we say we're following Jesus Christ, then at the Holy Spirit's initiative and leading, we get to step into things like love, joy, and peace, and forbearance, and kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that means we've got to stay close to the giver of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself talked about this business of us being in step with him and being keyed into who he is in order to have his fruit flow into our lives. He said, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. This is all about fruit. This is Jesus in just the last few days before he dies. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. No branch can bear fruit by itself. In other words, you can't get this fruit of the Spirit just by sheer determination. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, here's the problem. Some, Some people, followers of Jesus, yes, I'd fair to say call them Christians, they think that the rules of Christian faith are don't do this, don't do that. They know about the acts of the flesh. Don't get drunk. Don't get envious. Don't, live, don't get lit, live in, Don't get involved in witchcraft. Don't, don't, don't. Don't swim in the black water. However, as far as these attributes are concerned, if they say, well, I've got some love in my life, it's there by sheer force of will. And they've lost the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Only the Spirit brings life-changing and long-lasting transformation. Look again at... Verse 22, you'll see the um, gifts of the Spirit, pardon me, the fruit of the Spirit listed there. And see what verse 24 answers. What question might verse 24 answer? Okay, so verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control, verse 24. Those who belong to to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, with its passions and desires. What would verse 24 answer? It would answer this question, how do we keep in step with the Spirit when it comes to these issues of like love, joy, and peace? It says in verse 24, it belongs to those who have allowed Jesus Christ into their lives and who have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, it's about control. It's about who is in charge of us. It's about desiring and, and saying, I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to let my desire be Christ's desire within me. I'm going to die to myself. And that's how it's going to work with all nine of these, including the three that start the list, love, joy, and peace. We'll look at those briefly here today and some more in the weeks ahead. It's interesting to me that this whole passage of Scripture and this list starts with love. Because love is the, it's listed first because it's the foundation of all the other graces and all the other fruit. Scripture tells us that God is love and loves the world and such self-sacrificing love that he gave us. This love that sent Christ to die for sinners, that's the kind of love that's lived by believers who are spirit-controlled. It's this unconditional love. It's this, I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch and I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to be there when this person has these tears of pent-up stress or whatever the case may be. That's the sort of love that's mentioned here. This, the, the Greek word is agape, this self-giving, self-sacrificing love. The joy that's mentioned there, it's a deep abiding and inner rejoicing which is promised to those who abide in Christ. It doesn't depend on circumstances. See, it's not based on whether or not we're feeling good, it's not based on whether or not all is going well. Instead, it rests in that, hey, I'm marching in step with the Spirit, and where the Spirit leads, the Spirit is in control, The Spirit is sovereign in my life, and thus my joy is not based on whether or not I'm feeling good. My joy is based on the fact that I'm exactly where God wants me to be with each and every step. And coming from that, then, we live in a life of peace. Peace is a work of the Holy Spirit, an inner tranquility and quietness, even in the face of adverse circumstances. Scripture says it this way, the peace of God transcends all understanding. It goes beyond what we fully understand. And so you're probably saying today, great, that's fine, pastor. I'll stay in step with the Spirit, but how am I going to do that? What step can I make this week that's going to let those attributes flow in me and through me? Well, I'd suggest just for this week as our starting point, how about a prayer How about a prayer that says, hey, God, I want you to form the places of the outlines, if you will, of love, joy, and peace, and I'll do my best to fill in the details. As a matter of fact, here's the prayer you can pray. Holy Spirit, as I walk in step with you, bring people and settings to my life this week that need more love, joy, and peace, and I'll let you lead. Could you dare pray that kind of prayer? Holy Spirit, as I walk in step with you, bring people and settings to my life this week, that need more love, joy, and peace, and I'll let you lead. If you pray that prayer, I believe God will answer that. As a matter of fact, would you consider, if you'd like to, I'm not telling you to, I'm inviting you to, pray it out loud with me right now if you'd like to. If you, if you say, I don't wanna do this, fair enough, I get that. But if you'd like to, would you pray it out loud with me? Holy Spirit, as I walk and step with you, bring people and settings to my life this week, that need more love, joy, and peace. I'll let you lead. Here's my conviction, friend. If you prayed that with me today, now this week, the God who answers prayer, this week, that God is gonna provide you with places where you get to fill in the details. Where love, joy, and peace is needed, people where love, joy, and peace is needed, and you get to, that outline is gonna be there in front of you, and now the challenge is, you've asked God to lead you to them, so it's gonna be there. Are you gonna act with a little more love, joy, and peace this week? Let me see if I can explain it this way. A 93-year-old man died in Sylvania, Ohio, earlier this month. He died April 1. His name was Dan Robbins. You've probably never heard of him, but you know his work. He is an artist of some renown, and in his artistry, he invented something you've probably tried and done sometime in your life. He invented it coming out of the 40s into the 50s. It was post-war time at the end of World War II. He came home from the Army Signal Corps and went went from um, drawing and making military maps to designing children's coloring books and package designs for the Palmer Paint Company in Detroit, Michigan. Along the way, as he was working with this, he's going back in his mind to his art history classes as a young man, he recalled that Leonardo da Vinci had taught his students to paint by saying, use paint number 17 to do this. And he'd use different paint numbers, and he had this idea. What if we could create an artist of everybody in the country and provide them with a canvas where we told them what colors to use? And so he and his company created Craftmaster painting numbered sets, and the whole industry of paint by numbers was born. The kits, which were first produced in the early 50s, contained canvases with printed, um, correspond- printed numbers on, corresponding to numbered paints, and there were brushes and there were palettes in there. And the whole thing cost 250 originally. It had things like landscapes or bullfighters, kittens. Lots of kittens all the times, apparently. And the most popular work was The Last Supper. And people created arts of work from the outlines. A master artist back in Detroit would create the outlines, and then the artwork would be made by people filling in the blanks in countless kitchen tables, millions of kitchen tables all across the country. As a matter of fact, even President Eisenhower made one and hung it up in the White House. Great artwork, I'm sure. Kitchen tables all across the country making art. You know, you're going to go places this week. And you're going to go meet people this week. All in desperate need of God's love, joy, and peace. And the outlines of the artwork that's needed in their lives will be right in front of you. Already on the canvas of people's lives. All pre outlined by the Holy Spirit, the master artist. You and I, as we come across those people or step into those settings, you know what we do? We get to choose to act in love, unconditional love, when maybe they don't deserve it. We get to express joy in the moments of sadness. And we'll get to demonstrate peace, sometimes just by being present. In other words, this week, this week, if you prayed that prayer, Holy Spirit, lead me into being a person of greater love, joy, and peace. This week, then, in response to that prayer, you're going to fill in the blanks at kitchen tables in your neighborhood. You're going to fill in the blanks at desks of co-workers, and you're going to fill in the blanks in fellow students' study halls. Why? Because you said, Lord, I want to be in step with you. And now as you are in step with the Holy Spirit this week, as you're going to keep practicing it and learning how to march more effectively, you know what's going to happen? You get to paint this week with tremendously colored hues of love joy, and peace. So to that end, I invite you to stand and hear your marching orders. This is going to be our closing prayer today in just a minute. You may recall it says in Galatians 5, it says, it says since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. How's that going to work this week? Well, as a congregation, our desire always is to help you And me and all of us here become more devoted followers of Jesus Christ by growing. So this is what you're going to grow in this week. Stepping a little closer to the Holy Spirit by growing and serving. So this week, grow a little more, serve a little more. There are some ways you can grow together and serve together if you'd like to. Remind you that seniors, those of you, I don't know where the senior line is. I think I'm on the wrong side of it, but nonetheless. Or the right side of it, however you want to look at it. There's an event for you on Tuesday, luncheon, a great lunch. Julie McCleary is coming as our guest artist. We'd love to have you there. There's a women's trivia f- on Friday night. Women's, women's, I'll say it right, women's trivia night on Friday night. By all means, ladies, come to that. And may I remind you, if you haven't served up, sir, sir, oh, golly, if, leave the notes behind. If you haven't prepared and signed up for Serve Together Celebration, you need to do it. This, to me, is the highlight of our, all events that we do every year because we have more than 700 people serving in 1,300 different spots around our community. And as a staff, this is a staff-led run event, we wanna celebrate that and say thank you and congratulations. It is, in my opinion, the best night of the whole year because it celebrates you. I want you to make certain you're planning to be there. Sign up, get ready for that. In the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, here's your marching orders. Can you say it out loud with me as our benediction? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Have a great afternoon. God bless you.